a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. To see, to see the face of God is to be destroyed. So God now veils himself in, in the flesh and blood of Jesus, and he uses that, those means, namely his flesh and his blood, his life and, and his death, he uses those means to save us. And when we were baptized at the font with God's name placed upon us in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, with the sign of the cross being placed upon our forehead and our hearts marking as ones redeemed. We were adopted as sons of God. Uh, I think... Oh, huh? 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 Oh, oh. Are we doing the show now? Is the theme over? That sound bite was true to life. Wake up, Pastor Wolfmiller. You really do need to wake up. I know. I'm just a little bit sleepy. Oh, why are you so tired? You're not getting If you sleep? hear this sound, ready? If you hear this sign, did, you, did that make any sound? There's me falling on my microphone. Let me try again. Wake up! Wake Does up! It not make any sound. All right. The microphone is designed to not make sounds—the kind of sounds you don't want it to. All How right. come you're so tired? Are you staying so up I'm watching like Conan O'Brien or something like that? What's going on? I do watch American Ninja Warrior. That is so dumb. It's over though. Finals. No one made it to the top of Mount Midoriyama. That show is so that dumb. Stuff. I watch that show and I think I could do that. My brother was telling me about how they spend. What do you mean it's? My brother was telling me about how they spend like twenty minutes uh, building up this guy's character, the hardships he gave, came through, and then he trips on the first course and is out. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of too bad, you know. They, they they do all this background filming, and they're like, "We got to use the footage," you know, even though he like slips on the easiest obstacle. <laughs> I'm mostly like bad. saying, "American Ninja Warrior." <laughs> Well, let's tell, let's uh, talk about today's show. Today's show, we are going to do some Ten Commandments in the news, some bumper stickers, church sign theology, and name that game game. So that's uh, what's in oh, store yeah. for today. But first, Pastor Wolfmiller, what is your theological buzzword? My buzzword for you is adoptionism, which, by the way, it was a heresy. Where is that here? I'm going to read about it on Theopedia. To you, Evan, mm-hmm. nice it goes like this. You ready? Yep. <laughs> I've done. Ooh, man, you are tired. Adoptionism is a heresy. I know. I don't Wake see, up, man. I don't know why I'm so tired. Adoption, this thing is a heresy, which maintains that Jesus was a human being who became divine by adoption. Some taught that this occurred at his baptism, while others believed he became God at his resurrection. The earliest work that expresses this view in general is the Shepherd of Hermas, A.D. 150. Adherents of this view were declared heretics in the 3rd century. Well, probably before that, but officially 3rd century. Adoptionism. Got it? Got it. Right. You know, we want a the, the buzz phrase here? Um, my theological yeah, buzz right. phrase, which I found using the random article key on Theopedia, is Theology of the Cross. Hey. Now, I know that you're against, against the Theology that. of the Cross, but uh, regardless, it says, The Theology of the Cross is the name given by Martin Luther to a theological approach which looks at the 
cross as the center, source, and sum of Christian theology. He contrasted it with various theologies of glory, which are founded upon the idea that humans can, by using what is within them, reach God's righteousness or revelation. Both these concepts were introduced in Luther's Heidelberg Disputation of 1518, where he described the difference between the two theologies. You think I like a- that Heidelberg Disputation. The, the trouble was, I don't Yeah, I, no, that's not a good definition according to Heidelberg. See, I, th- this is a tricky business, the theology of the cross, because it's one of these things that the Lutherans love to talk about. You know the Lutherans? You've seen them? You've heard of them before? Especially these new ones. They love to talk about theology of the cross, theology of glory. The trouble is, if you go with the ordering of things, so first Luther writes the 95 Theses. Remember those? He, he, those are the ones that caused all the trouble. I he have says, heard hey, of those. You know the 95 the Theses that got him in trouble was, uh, hey, if the Pope has all this forgiveness to give out, why doesn't he do it out of love instead of charging people? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Which is great. <laughs> but Luther, at, at that point... When he was writing the theses, he still believed in purgatory. He still believed in basically the the system of merit in the Catholic Church. He was he was not yet a Lutheran. Now, this caused such a stir that the monks down in Heidelberg said, "Hey, would you come?" That's by the way how to say Did monk you say in German. Yeah, <laughs> that's German pronunciation. The monks down in Heidelberg says, "Hey, Luther, would you write some theses for us too, and we'll have a debate?" So he says, "Sure." Now. I think the amazing thing about the Heidelberg Theses is that it's not about indulgences. He just wrote these 95 Theses about indulgences, which basically blew up the church. And then he goes to talk about it. It would, it would, be, like, it would be like if you wrote some crazy sort of theses about something crazy, I just, I don't know, whatever, and we had you down here to hope to write some more theses and talk about it, and you didn't talk about any of the same stuff. You talked about something totally different. So, so the Heidelberg Theses ah. are totally different set of... This is uh, interesting. Uh, uh, this is like you. I mean, I I think uh, it was kind of like how you get bored with something, and so you just change it completely. Um, that's what Luther yes. was doing. He was like, okay, let's. I don't want to talk about those ninety-five boring. Enough things of this again. thesis stuff. I want to do something Lu- new, right? Because yeah. Luther, Luther was pushing towards. He was pushing towards law and gospel, and he's closer in Heidelberg than he was in the 95 Theses. And it's in Heidelberg that he he invents this category, theology of the cross, theology of glory. Now, it's after Heidelberg when he goes back to wherever he was, where was he, Wittenberg, and he's sitting there in the tower thinking about Romans 1, that he discovers the gospel. And at that point, he writes the explanation of the 95 Theses, the explanation of Heidelberg, and he never goes back to this idea of the theology of glory, theology of the cross again. Because when you have the distinction between law and gospel, it's not particularly that helpful. Now, what he was really getting after in this theology of cross, theology of glory distinction is that you can't get to the knowledge of God um, with pure reason. The, the, uh, the speculative theology. We want to look on God nude. Uh, Luther says, says that, I don't know if he says this exactly, he says that the, the, the scholastic theologians are trying to sneak in and look at God when he's in the shower. Now, I, I, again, I don't know if that's an exact quote. <laughs> it's probably pretty close, though. But the idea is you can, you can see God in his unveiled glory, which Luther says, no, that's, that's, that's false. You can't do that. And that's really what he's kind of trying to get after. So this theology of the cross, the theology of glory distinction, is really an anti-scholastic distinction, which is fine for what it is. I'm afraid that it gets overused a little bit these days. 
I don't know. I don't have a problem Bill. with that. That's fine. That's <laughs> fine. Whatever you said, nah. Don't worry about it. I don't know why I get worked up about stuff like that. I don't it's either. Like, it's like my thing with you, Lutheranism. I, that's exactly what I was getting ready to say. It's the same thing. <laughs> okay, well, let's do some emails to questions at tabletalkradio.org. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's Good your, idea. That's your cue. Boy, Here's you, one. You are just this is from basically Tommy. taking a nap while on the radio today. Holy cow. Okay. Look at Tommy's. Tommy, his email is Packers Football. That's oh, his email name here. He he must have been having a, a, a rough week last week then, huh? I don't know anything. The only football I paid attention to was the Broncos. The, I'm sorry. The pro, and you want to, want to know what the problem with the Broncos is? They're so good that it's kind of boring. <laughs> I mean, like every other team, like, are know. they going to win? Are they going to lose? And and when I watch the Broncos, I'm like, are they going to? Is Peyton Manning going to have to play in the fourth quarter or not? That's no, it, I disagree. You know? I, because I think undefeated that season. Here we go. What we see with the Broncos time and time again is this uh, in the th- end of third quarter, beginning of fourth quarter, we're starting to let the other team catch up a little bit. You know, I think. I think the defense is thinking, you know, let's make this a little bit more fun, a little bit more exciting. Let's make uh, Peyton work a little bit. And so they let the the other team score and catch up, and now it's down to a one-score ball game, and then that's when the Broncos usually win. Yeah, I know, but it's not even – I mean, it's it's just like – it's like watching a cat play with a mouse. Anyhow, Tommy writes, I have insomnia, so I'm trying to cure it by listening to past episodes of Table Talk Radio. You're welcome, Tommy. This is a community <laughs> service welcome. that we provide. In fact, I'm about to fall asleep recording the show. <laughs> anyway, Tommy continues. I have a question about the Ten Commandments. When I became Lutheran three years ago, I received Luther's small catechism, and I found that the Ten Commandments listed in the catechism are different from the Ten Commandments I learned from evangelical churches. They're the same, except moved up all by one slot, and the last one split in two. Why is that? Hmm. Thanks, Tommy. Uh, so I think that, um, first of all, I should say that uh, that Luther numbers the commandments as it was numbered uh, in, in his day, so that we see a, a change after um, Luther's writing the, the catechism. And uh, I've always looked, uh, and I think this is true, you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Pastor Wolf, but I think that uh, Calvin wants to particularly separate this out to, to emphasize, you know, uh, you know, our friend Calvin had this big deal against uh, graven images. Um, and so he wanted to emphasize this by separating out uh, the graven images commandment away from the first commandment, whereas Luther would see, well, that is a false God. Um, so let's let's maybe take a break. And then Pastor Wolf and I would like to get your kind of thoughts on this differencing in the numbering of the Ten Commandments. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Uh, after this commercial break, we'll be playing Ten Commandments in the News. And then after that, Bumper Checker and Church Science Theology. You can give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA. We'll be right back. How many Table Talk Radio listeners does it take to change a light bulb? You'll probably have to settle for one. 
Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. All right, Pastor, what do you think? Where did the difference in the numbering of the Ten Commandments come from? Um, it's this is an interesting thing. Is that never in the? Uh, by the way, I think this topic is fitting as a cure to insomnia, as Tommy wanted. I normally need a board, and people ask this question. I'm like, all right, get ready. Here we go. <laughs> if you want to check Facebook for a little bit, but but here's mm. the here's the basic problem. If you just were to look at the text of the of the commandments, and you, you would count them, you would probably count nine or eleven. Ten is an unnatural number to divide them. And in fact, in the text, uh, Exodus uh, twenty and Deuteronomy six, it doesn't say that there's ten, but there are two other places where the Lord will call the thing that he gives to Moses the ten words, which means we have to take this, these commandments and divide them up into ten. Now, there's probably four different ways to do it. There's the ancient Jewish way, there's the Eastern Orthodox way, there's a the Catholic way, uh, there's a Lutheran way, and then there in the Reformed way. That's five. Mm. Um, and, uh, and so they're all a little bit different. You are right that Calvin wanted to emphasize the not making graven images, and so he pulls that part of the first commandment out and lets it be its own commandment. And this is why most of the time when you go to buy a Ten Commandment poster for your nephew at the <laughs> Bible bookstore, it has the wrong numbering. It says, one, no other gods, two, no idols, three, remember the Lord's name, four, remember the Sabbath day, five, and then the you shall not covet is, is combined into the Tenth Commandment. Now, the, it's interesting that if you if you compare the numbers from Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 6 that you'll notice there's one that's out of order. And so in Exodus 20 it says at the end you shall not covet your neighbor's house and then you shall not covet your neighbor's wife shall not covet your neighbor's manservant and maidservant ox or donkey or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 that's reversed and it says you shall not covet your neighbor's wife and then you shall not covet your neighbor's house. Neighbor's manservant, maidservant, ox donkey, everything else belongs to your neighbor. Now, the Catholics actually follow the Deuteronomy 6 uh, way, and that's how they divide them up. Lutherans follow the Exodus 20 way. The Reforms split up 1 and 2 and then combine 9 and 10. Um, the the Jewish, uh, this is really interesting how the um, in the synagogue they have it, is the first commandment is, I am the Lord your God. And then the second one is, you shall have no other gods. The command for graven images is is bound up into there, and then they combine the last two as well. Now, the logic of the wait, Lutheran wait, distinction. Wait. You have Eastern yeah. Orthodox to explain. I don't. I don't remember how they do it. Ugh. Now, the logic of the Lutheran explanation is that after the first commandment, you shall have no other gods, and then you shall not make any graven images. Then the Lord has the what we call the conclusion to the commandments, but actually comes right after the first commandment. I, the Lord, you got a jealous God, punishing. Uh, visiting the uh, the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments, that Luther sees that as the as basically an explanation to the first commandment. So everything that comes before that is bound up to as the first commandment, and then everything that comes after that is the rest of the nine. So you got to take what comes after and split it into nine. That's the basic logic behind them. Of course, we see in the fact that, that God himself numbers them differently in Exodus and in Deuteronomy that the order and the numbering doesn't necessarily matter as long as we have all the content there. All right. Fair enough. Okay. You have I hope email? you're sleeping now, Tommy. Oh, another email. Yeah, man. I got loads of emails. Here's one from Chris. Remember Chris from Tillamook? He writes some good emails. 
Hey there, Pastors Gigland Wolfmuller. I recently told a wavering evangelical Pentecostal who uh, was beginning to see the flaws inherent in that system that when someone in his church got up to speak, quote, from the Lord, end quote, he might as well take out his pen and paper, start writing down what was being, quote, given from the Lord, end quote, and put it into the unwritten portion of his Bible. That's what I do. Within that system, he has to do this, because if he really believed that the prophet was saying, that's what he'd have to do in order to be consistent with what he says he believes. If we are really and truly to honor the word of the Lord, and we really and truly believe that these so-called prophets are prophesying from God Almighty, then we must, not do, we must do nothing less than pin their words into everlasting scripture. Even at such a crude and rudimentary level, the charismatics aren't willing to do this, then they're completely phony, or else they need to discipline everyone in their midst who claims to speak from God but actually isn't, which would be everyone. (laughs) (laughs) So, when pretty much any Pentecostal charismatic is challenged to put their money where their mouth is, you can bet that they won't, that they can't make good on their theology because even they don't truly believe it. Either that or they all need to repent of cowardice and not standing up to false teachers, or B, their unwillingness to submit to the commands of Christ regarding how to deal with those who teach and preach falsely, or see irreverence towards the holy and inerrant word of God as spoken by their self-proclaimed prophets and apostles. Bottom line, if you can't stand up to a false prophet, or if you believe their words are truly from God, you'd better be willing to pin the 67th book of Holy Scripture. Why should anybody listen to anything that God's, uh, anything less than God's holy and inspired word? But if they're unwilling to lay it down on the line, well, they need to stand down and quit pretending. Chris, from... Good. That's right. I couldn't agree with that more. I think that fleshes out the whole, um, uh, the whole thing of sola scriptura and how it is often denied, even when people say that they affirm it. So you know, you'll go to the the church's website, and they'll say, "We believe that the Bible is the only inerrant and tallable Word of God." And then you go to church there on Sunday, and someone stands up and says, "This is a word from the Lord. The, the Spirit has told me to tell you this." And you go, well, wait a minute. I thought the Bible was the only infallible, inerrant word of God. Right? That's what Chris is saying. Wake up! Are, are you awake over there? I agree. Okay, good. Well, <laughs> welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you. All right, let's do some Ten Commandments in the news. As a cure for insomnia. <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, you want me to do something here? I got something. Okay, go. Uh, okay. I got I got options here. Okay, armed. Here, well, tell me what you want. Armed patriots, the private citizens out to secure the U.S. border, or Obama ready to strike at Islamic State militants in Syria. He tells policy experts, or Satanists to hold controversial Black Mass in Oklahoma. Uh, let's do the one about the rednecks. Oh, you mean the armed patriots? <laughs> Uh, that could be that could be a flight of the first one or the third one. Let's do the first one. Okay, <laughs> Brownsville, Texas, with binoculars in hand and assault <laughs> wait, rifles. Wait, is that where you're st- from in Texas? Are you <laughs> Brownsville? Yeah, Kerrville. Oh, same thing. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Just because it has a ville on it, you're a racist. A racist. Anyhow. Binoculars in hand, an assault rifle slung over his chest, and a Glock pistol on his hip. A man named Will scans the banks of the Rio Grande. You probably say Rio Grande. <laughs> Looking for anyone trying to cross from Mexico into Texas. Will's a member of the Patriots, a group of heavily armed private citizens who use displays of force to intimidate people attempting to cross the borders illegally. Since the early summer, the Patriots have patrolled an area near Brownsville, Texas. Quote, 
If you spot them and shine your light on them, it lets them know you're there, said the 25-year-old construction worker from Indiana who flew to Texas for a stint with the Patriots. Nine <laughs> times out of ten, they're not going to come over. Oh, he's from Indiana. That's great. <laughs> Even if they are going to cross again, we're still making it harder for them, and that's the real reason we're here. The Patriots Information Hotline, a network, networking call center, estimates that 22 groups of, quote, armed patriots have sprung up along the border from Texas to California this year. With names like Patriots patriots and Citizens Defenders, the groups often set up camp on private land along their border at a property owner's invitation. Expenses are generally paid by members, though some funds come from like-minded donors. To critics, they are malicious, vigilantes, spoiling, spoiling for a fight. For would-be migrants, they're another barrier to entry. For the U.S. Border Patrol, they can be either a nuisance or a help in spotting people trying to enter the country illegally. Hmm. There you go. Uh, who reported that, by the way? Reuters. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Reading from Yahoo News. There's I mean, more here. You what are these guys going to do? I mean, so so they got their, their, their Glock on their hip, and they got their uh, mag light in their hand, and someone crosses the border, so they just shine their flashlight on there and pull their, put their hand on their gun or what? I mean, <laughs> this is silly. Well, no, the Patriots carry plastic handcuffs to detain border crossers, and communications equipment to inform Border Patrol. Plastic handcuffs? Are those the kinds that have a little safety thing in there so you can get out just in case you lose the key? I imagine there. No, there's like those twisty ties, those big time twisty ties. Oh, those ties things. That like dog the bounty hunter. I was uses. picturing like the Ninja Turtle uh, handcuffs <laughs> I used to have when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, the only live fire they have seen come from a Border Patrol agent who fired at them. That's. Oops. <laughs> Oops. Uh, the Border Patrol know. said the agent saw an armed man and thought he was part of a group of migrants suspected of illegally crossing the Rio Grande. Sorry, Rio Grande. This I is a I forgot. This is a Fourth Commandment issue because the uh, gov- the government has said that you're welcome to come to this country, but there's a process, a due process in doing so, uh, filing immigration papers and becoming a legal citizen, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, you're not free to just come in. Uh, However you'd please, you must make your presence known with the with the government. And so that is uh, primarily a, a Fourth Commandment issue. Um, now, what about these uh, groups who are trying to take uh, the law into their own hands? Um, now, I w- this is an interesting thing, because our, what is what they're doing illegal? No. If it, no, it's not, because... Um, not. Uh, because they're on private land, right? And yep. they're just kind of tapping their gun while having a flashlight in their hand, I guess. I mean, they're yep. never going to use it, right? Their gun? Well, presumably. Uh, here's, it's talking about, here's a story of a guy who says, um, he's talking about how he's, uh, where is it? He, he says that if they weren't here on his property, he thinks he would have been killed by the people crossing over. Uh uh, from uh, Mexico into the United States, so they're protecting. Hmm. Interesting. Well, let's uh, let's take a break. We'll uh, finish up this story on Ten Commandments in the news, and then uh, see if we can get into some bumper sticker and church science theology. We'll be right back. Your very own theological court gestures. This is Table Talk Radio. 
Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Playing Ten Commandments in the News, we're talking about the story of all of uh, Brian's high school friends going down to the border and uh, <laughs> holding their... <laughs> taking up on the jobs of the... Uh, the border patrol there. I heard some story. I mean, I heard some stories from uh, Brownsville the other day. That boy, this stuff is true. It's ugly down there. Pro- problem is because you know, I mean, people want to come in illegal for two reasons. One is because they're trying to escape the poverty of Mexico, so there's kind of legitimate trying to support their own family reasons. The other reason is that I mean, there's a huge drug trade. That's just mm. this drug trafficking is a disaster. And they got to get to Colorado somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, you can't. So I don't know. I mean, I mean so can't uh, tunnel all the way under New Mexico. I'm kind of dancing around this. I mean, so certainly, so they're not doing anything illegal, and uh, it's they're kind of filling a void in which the government uh, is unable to to do the job themselves. Um, but but what if we were to step up in every instance in which someone the government is failing to. Uh, to fulfill their duties. I mean, uh, we wouldn't have time for anything else. Is um, there this thing called citizen's arrest? I want to know more about that. <laughs> you're going to go around and you're going to get those plastic handcuffs and start walking around. You're under arrest, buddy. <laughs> I'm making a citizen's arrest. You're going to get the little uh, little sticker that's badge. What, that <laughs> I could see that's you what, that. um, That's what uh, Dog the Bounty Hunter does, apparently. I, you no, know, Mike Meyer a... from uh, Lutheran World Relief and Human Care is going to come down here, and he's going to train the congregation for disaster relief situations, and we get a badge that's recognized by FEMA, like little disaster sheriffs, citizen's <laughs> arrest. Nice. And I'm wondering if I can use that to make a citizen's arrest. Well, So first of all, there's a difference between a bounty hunter and someone who's doing a citizen's arrest. So that... You know, this guy goes out and finds these people who jump bail. And uh, you don't actually have to have a license to do that, which is kind of scary. But anyway. Citizens arrest. You could start your own show, Wolf the Mystic Hunter. That was an idea a long time ago, but it kind of fell short. Yeah. But citizens arrest in the United States. This is interesting. So in um, the United States, a private person may arrest another without a warrant for a crime occurring on his or, in his or her presence. Hmm. Okay, I'm, I'm making a citizen's arrest. I got a news story for you. You want to hear it? I thought you were just—you didn't even do any commandments from I this did, last one. I did, did fourth I commandment. Asleep? Fourth commandment. Okay. And first commandment, because that's a—that's a. What about seventh commandment? What about the fifth commandment? Where's the fifth commandment? You know, the guy got shot at. Oh. <laughs> okay. Anyway, here's your news story. All eyes are on Democratic candidate for Texas Governor Wendy Davis after she revealed some deeply personal details in the heat of her campaign. Davis's upcoming memoir, Forgetting to be Afraid, touches on two abortions she had before embarking on her political career. In the memoir, Davis says she terminated a pregnancy after discovering the fetus had a brain defect. She recalls the doctor stopping the heart of the baby and then removing it via C-section. She also says she went through an ectopic pregnancy, a pregnancy which causes the embryo to implant outside of the uterus. An ectopic pregnancy is dangerous for the mother and leaves little chance of survival for the child. But the termination of these pregnancies is still considered abortion under Texas law and doctors must report them as such. It's worth mentioning some media outlets are only referencing one abortion, while others are noting them both. The big question here is why Davis chose to share these personal details at this particular moment, just a couple of months from Election Day. 
Although we didn't know the issue of abortion touched quite so close to home for Davis, the candidate has certainly taken a strong stance to make the practice safe and legal in Texas. Last year, Davis became a national political figure after waging a 11-hour filibuster that forced Texas legislators to open an entirely new special session to pass a bill restricting abortions in the state. The new details released by Davis might simply be meant to humanize the candidate. At least that's how our campaign seems to be framing this. Okay, let's take that much so far. Oh boy, <laughs> how can, how I want to know how abortion is made safe. <laughs> yeah, not for the baby. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Suppose that uh, I mean, yeah, I suppose what they're talking about is fewer moms die in process of killing their babies. Mm. It's like saying it's like making execution safe. Mm -hmm. for the executioner so fewer executioners die in executing a criminal <laughs> yes okay <laughs> yeah this is a there's some commandments in here so the first and most obvious is the fifth commandment you shall not murder which applies to babies i mean sheesh i don't I mean, I, I would be, I mean, if the last people it should be legal to murder on the face of the earth. I mean, so first of all, I don't think it should be probably legal to murder anybody. Probably not. Uh, let's, let's just just make that kind of guess, you know. I mean, I don't want to be too, have too many assertions here, be too many pre-modern in my thinking. But let's put a, probably you shouldn't murder anybody. But if you were making a list of the people that it was okay to murder, the last people on that list should be little babies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I mean, this is just insanity to say, yeah, yeah, we're just gonna kill the babies, and then and then to say <laughs> to, to say that it's a it humanizes the candidate. I mean, what is when it is did ironic. murdering babies become a, a kind of a human sort? It's of thing? like she, she, she had she had abortions. She is so real and human. <laughs> it's like the, it's anti-human. It's like the opposite of being a mother and a person, right? To yeah. kill a baby. Yeah. Now, look. I mean, I imagine maybe there's a person out there listening that this in their past and for whatever reason or something has the guilt of abortion. Uh, in their own conscience, and the Lord Jesus has a word of kindness for you, that he died for you, and that he loves you. This is the church's job. See, it, this is the crazy thing. I, it's, things are so backwards. Is It should be the state's job to protect the lives of babies and to demolish people who destroy them. And then the church can come along and speak a word of gospel hmm. while the state speaks a word of law. But because the state has stopped speaking law where it should most clearly speak it, now the church has to do the odd thing of speaking the law. The same thing with divorce, you know. It should be, you remember back in Luther's day, you would, you'd get hanged for having a divorce. The law, the state would hang you. So the state would come along and say, oh, oh you, you committed adultery? Yeah, we're going to put you to death. And then the church would come along and say, you can be forgiven when you die. So that the church could do the right, it could speak the gospel while the state spoke the law. But when the state stops speaking the law, like, hey, you shouldn't have adultery and you shouldn't, you know, kill babies and all this other stuff that's just kind of should be obvious. When the state stops speaking the law, then the church has to do this weird thing of speaking it. Ah, it's a hassle, too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, well. So, let's see, Fifth Commandment, Fourth Commandment, uh, that has to do with politics, running for office, etc. 
Uh, eighth commandment, bearing false witness, and this has to do with uh, a person's name and reputation, which is uh, uh, especially what's going on with elections, and also has to do with shame. It's a weird thing that you put something that's so shameful and you put it out there as almost a, a badge of honor. That is really, mm. we live in an upside-down world. Whew, do we live in an upside-down world? True enough. All right. Let's do some uh, bumper stickers and church signs, shall we? Oh, we're doing that? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Hi, this is Jonathan calling from the Great White North. Uh, some of you call it Indiana. I've got some church signs for you. First Another one foreigner. I saw before I left North Carolina, it was in front of an AM, air quote, Christian radio station. The banner wasn't a church sign, but it was a banner, so I figured it would qualify. I said, Jesus is my boss, period. He loves you, too, period. Oh. And then it quoted John 3.16. Uh, I just added uh, the words period so you'd know what punctuation was there. Appreciate that. Appreciate um, that. Yeah, yeah so Jesus is my boss. Mm-hmm. He loves you, too. And then it quotes John 3.16, and if I remember correctly, it was in the KJV. Next church sign is in some random little country town in Indiana I was passing through. The church sign, uh, just on the heels of one of these recent uh, snowstorms that seemed to be ever so frequent in Indiana, it was on a Free Will Baptist I imagine this wasn't just sign. It said, huh? <laughs> revival <laughs> postponed because... Of bad weather. Okay. <laughs> and the third oh, was goodness. here in Fort Wayne, Indiana, oh, Fort Wayne. on a Methodist church, I believe it was, or Presbyterian, one of those other guys. And the church sign said, Spring begins March 20. Are you ready? No idea on that one. So maybe you can make some sense of these. Keep up the mediocrity, although you're even mediocre at that. Bye-bye. <laughs> that just blew my oh, mind. Wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> we're mediocre at our mediocrity? Oh, my goodness. I thought we were pursuing excellence in mediocrity. <laughs> we're not even good at being mediocre. Are you ready for March 20th? <laughs> I'm trying to... I'm trying to figure out how to record while laying down over here, by the way. <laughs> Put the microphone upside down. I think this is going to work. I like this one. Revival canceled due to ba- bad weather. <laughs> it seems like we talked about this before. Now, that would be mediocre. Yeah. Revival postponed because of bad weather. Like, God didn't realize that he was scheduled for a revival. I think scheduling a revival is a strange... It's a strange sort of thing to it's do. It's kind of like the guy at the pool says, I'm I'm planning on drowning, and I hope the life, yeah. <laughs> lifeguard I know. me. It's yeah. like getting out your Rolodex for some spontaneity. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. Table Talk Radio. Oh, yeah, I love this bump. I wish you weren't playing it, because I'm trying to take a nap. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Because cable's expensive. Man, oh man. 
These are the worst bumps for a guy trying to take a nap. I was going to say, the only thing keeping Pastor Wolfmiller with us today is the bump music. Why don't you're gonna to have to place a bump music about every five minutes this last <laughs> segment here? Hey, speaking of every five minutes, yes. <laughs> that makes everyone sense. listening should come to uh, to Israel with us next year. I, I'm assuming that if people have stuck with us to the end of this show, speaking of having they have your some, own Glocks on your hip, if you want to come to our Israel trip, <laughs> take it easy. Hey, take it easy. <laughs> we uh we're gonna do this trip june 2015 uh 10 days in israel three days in jordan it should be fantastic and rock so if anybody breakfast. is interested <laughs> if anyone's interested uh send me a note and you can come on along and so. your conceal and carry permit number okay uh <laughs> you are not helpful to the cause over there friend Oh, yeah, that'll be a big hit. Okay, um, here's the, another bumper sticker church sign. Hi, this is David in Houston. i got a church sign. It says, peace begins with a smile. Hmm. Wait a minute. Peace, peace begins with a smile. See, if no, a normal church sign would say, peace begins with P. P. <laughs> no, no, That's no. A... Peace begins with a smile. I, do you think that so much do people expect the pun in the church sign that church signs can now deviate from uh, the pun and say something normal and no. people are like, ah, ha, ha, it's not punny? No, I think, I think, um, I think that it's lacking. It's like this, that's not a very good church sign because there's no pun. You do. You still yeah, think the that's the expectation secret. is there. See, see, I think it's art. I think it's like when every poem rhymes, then the poem that doesn't rhyme is shocking. No. See? Because, so, yeah. yeah, I don't look. Your your church sign ascetic is is like so twentieth century. <laughs> We've entered the new time, the new era of church signs. Uh, mark this list. now, dear listener, that right now, we have we have entered the era of beat church signs. Uh, puns are like rhyming poems; they are for the children. If you want adult church signs, it's going to be like this, and just say something kind of silly, but it's not a pun. Is that what that was this going is, for? I yeah, don't even the know. Art, the art of the church sign is evolving <laughs> right in front of you, Evan, and you okay. don't even see it. I don't even you're, care. You're kind of artistically, you're aesthetically ignorant. Okay, before you insult me anymore, because <laughs> you can tell how insulted I am, here's another one. We didn't even get to talk about that one. Are you good? What, what did it what, say? What do you want to say? The beginning of peace is a smile. I would like to point out, first of all, that that is not a pun. <laughs> Done. Okay. Check. Next. Next sign. I'm ready. <laughs> okay, here it is. Bumper sticker! Hi, guys. Yeah. Uh, this is a gray Hyundai, and on the back it says, Goddess Bless America. Thanks. Have a great Oh, that's nice. I mean, you'd want not just God, but the goddess to bless America. Goddess Bless America. Doesn't quite have that same ring, does it? What is uh I saw one of my <laughs> one of my trustees, my uh pretty manly fella, had to borrow his daughter's Jeep driving around, has got a big uh girls rule bumper sticker on the back. I do that all the time. I'll be driving down the road oh, and there'll be some like really girly sticker on the back and I'll pass it instead of some guy driving. I'm like, okay. <laughs> 
All right. Well, do you have any? Goddess bless America. This is the this is the pagan creep. Let's call it that. Let's give it a name. The pagan creep. (laughs) And it is this sense that we are theologically devolving. So remember how there was a bunch of pagans and then Christianity came through and then they quit being pagan and became Christian because it's better to be Christian. Well, now we are theologically devolving and all the places where there's Christianity is falling back to paganism. Have I told you my theory about this? That mm-hmm. that paganism that that paganism will be reviving in the same order that it was undone. So, like the last kind of remnant of paganism was probably like Celtic Druidism, and already that's made this huge comeback. So the pagans now with you know the kind of Druid witchcraft pagan Wicca stuff. Then the the previous but now I don't exactly have all my historic uh, things straight here. That's never stopped me before. But I think the paganism that lasted the second longest was kind of the German stuff. So that we expect the German paganism to come back. And then before that, you had the Roman paganism. That's Zeus and all this. That'll come back next. Then the Greek paganism. Then the Babylonian Zoroastrian, uh, Persian Zoroastrianism, Babylonian paganism. And then we'll be back to Baal and Molech will recover. So that so that in the, in the order that they were overcome will be the order that they are revived. Do you, you want to? That, now that's just a historic guess, and it probably it probably is totally wrong. That nearly put me to sleep. Well, you know, I barely stayed awake explaining it to you. <laughs> so explaining with it with this bumper sticker, uh, "Goddess Bless America." Would that be fill in the blank Jesus or coexist? All dogs go to heaven. There should got to be a witchcraft bumper sticker or worldview. Do we have a witchcraft one? No, we don't. A pagan, uh, uh, some sort, just a pagan bumper sticker. We gotta have a pagan bumper sticker. Coexist has room for the pagan in there, doesn't it? Because it has like the. Well, it has to, right? I mean. <laughs> yeah, but is there a pagan sign of the coexist? Let's see. You got the C for the Muslims. Mm-mm. The O is the what? What's O? Is peace sign. E is e equals M C square. E X is the star David. I has the Dharma wheel over it, or whatever for Buddhism. S is the yin and the yang, and the T is the cross. There's no pagan sign in there. The pagans feel so uh, left out in the coexist bumper. Sticker. I know. Look at that. Hey, I think this po- coexist bumper sticker is intolerant of pagans. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna start writing letters every time I see the coexist. I say I can't believe you hate pagans like that. Why do you hate pagans so much? Yeah, we're well, hating on witchcraft. All right, I have um, I have be some blessed. some uh, <laughs> no, be blessed. That's what the pagans always say. Be blessed. All right, I have three three video <laughs> clips for you to listen to for this next game, Name That Game game. And we'll just have to play a few clips here because we're running out of time. But here's the first all one. All right. Dream of being the pastor here, but it all worked out. There's a lot of people who come to this church because they want to give one last shot to the church, I guess, or because they've never been in a church and have heard through some friends at this place, they have, you know, cool music or this or that. So in other churches, there's often a pressure to be faithful or pressure to doubt even here people can have freedom to say no i believe this or i think what? that's a bunch of crap i'm not gonna go with that at all they have pressure to be faithful or pressure play- to doubt yeah that's weird mm-hmm. how come this guy says people either come here because they're at their end of their rope or they've never been to church and other churches there's pressure to be faithful or pressure to not be faithful it's like the, he's like naming these opposites 
It's like in some churches, you, you can either be casual or it, you can be formal. Yeah, this is middle ground church. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's one clip. Here's, here's oh, another okay, one. Yeah. I'm ready. This whole combination of things that felt like I was wanted here. I grew up Catholic. That's pressure. Loosely Catholic, I guess, which I left when I was in high school when I first came out and then didn't Aha. go back to church for a long time. There was something about the sort of very purposeful decision to leave church that made it hard to go back and feel comfortable in a lot of places because my decision for myself to leave church had a lot to do with not feeling like churches wanted me there. And I think that that was what I was looking for. I moved out to Boston for graduate school, and my first year in graduate school was just not, not great. Part of what I wasn't ready for was to move out somewhere where I had no real ties, no real community, and I came from Mount Holyoke for undergrad, and it's very community-focused. You just constantly have people around, and so moving somewhere where I didn't have that and I didn't really have a ton to kind of feel connected to was just really hard. She must not have Facebook. Okay, I got one more. <laughs> Um, <laughs> okay. Here's the last one. My wife and I were pregnant with our first baby, and she, having grown up Catholic, asserted that we were going to go to church and that our child and our children were going to be raised in a faith tradition. I was really pretty tradition. indifferent, and she went to a couple of churches and then came here one Sunday and came back raving about it. So I agreed to go and try, and it was fantastic. It was just the space try. itself just uh, was just warm and welcoming. Uh, we've got this great, you know, arch ceiling, like the upturned hull of a ship. And, oh, you know, the seating in the round. I'd never seen anything like that. You know, I'd been to church a few times in my life, maybe, you know, two dozen times. I just found this place incredibly welcoming. And then the kicker for me, the, the very first time I was here, this invitation to come and take communion. And, um, you know, honestly, I'd never been comfortable in a church. I'd always been intimidated by church, even like scared to go to churches. There was a language that everyone spoke that I didn't know and you know, codes I didn't understand. And I didn't have this sense of church as inclusive. I thought of church as exclusive. Okay, so that's what you have to work with in this game, okay. Name That Game. Okay, so uh, now the way the Name That Game game works is that I have to guess what game we're playing, and then I get tons of points for doing it. Now, I don't happen to know. Now, so we've listened to some audio about people going to some liberal Anglican Methodist church. <laughs> About, and about how welcoming it was. What is that thing? What the the Methodists say? Open doors, open hands, open heads, or whatever. <laughs> this is their this is their slogan. So it's a crazy sort of thing. We are welcoming. Open we are, heads. <laughs> that's our Methodist outreach program right there. Uh-huh. Don't blame it on me. I'm tired. Being tired is like a, having a hardened conscience. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Scriptures speak to soberness, by the way. <laughs> I'm not tired. I'm not drunk. <laughs> let's see. I know being tired is it a sin because the Bible says that Jesus was tired. <laughs> Touche. Okay. All right. Well, uh, what's so your guess I here? think we are playing now. We could be playing something like Which Ladder or Ten Commandments in the Church video. More likely, we're playing a game like Name That Church Body. But I'm going to guess that we are playing Audio Jeopardy. Audio Table Talk Jeopardy. <laughs> what is Audio Table Talk Jeopardy? 
You were oh. actually close. It was name that church body. Oh, okay. So uh, we're running out of time here. What church body do you think that was? Episcopal. You got it. <laughs> the <laughs> Episcopal Church. You nailed Piece of it. Cake. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like all the good things that happen when I make a citizen's arrest. <laughs> Tons of things. Thanks good night, for listening everybody. to this edition of Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please oh. consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.